Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. Ah, uh, what is up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. How is everybody doing today? I've been playing with the lighting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've been playing with the lighting here, and today, simply because I ran out of time, I have decided to go with. Uh, I have decided to go with secret dungeon lair lighting because it looks like I am literally in my basement trying to tell you secret messages about the coming insurrection and that I don't know seems kind of ridiculous <laughs> so unfortunately that's that's where we're at today I haven't been able to figure out um, I haven't been able to figure out like good lighting thing the problem mainly is this thing behind me because it is so reflective because it's vinyl I may get that reprinted, but since I don't make any money here on the Hard Rock Lunchbox, <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot of money to throw at it. I do have a black curtain I might just start using, but the problem is no one cares but me, <laughs> and I don't even care all that much. I think I'm just going to go back to regular lighting next week, and we'll just kind of see what happens. Getting thrown off because my video recording like is totally not working like it's supposed to or like it usually is, and I'm just thinking about all the extra work I'm going to have to do over the weekend to fix that. So. Team Lunchbox, am I right? All right. <laughs> so, uh, how's everybody doing? I think I already asked that, and I feel like nobody answered. If you want to join the conversation, it's 99WNRR. Uh, com. You can just join the conversation right there. There's already people in the chat having a good old time. Uh, yes, we are multilingual here at the Hard Rock Lunchbox. El Boxo de Luncho uh, Mucho Hardo. And I think that's a dead-on translation, probably. I don't know. Who do we ask for help? And we just don't know which way to go. It's the map. And that's not going to help us now. Bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, we could start with... Um, not only, I have notes and a sticky, so this is gonna this is gonna be a good show. Um, but basically, brand new episode of the top twenty. I know another Thursday, another episode of top twenty. I can't believe it either. Uh, this week, I talk about why God put uh, turn signals in cars in the first place. Uh, also, I point out why you are wrong about Rage Against the Machine. Blah blah blah. It's a good video. It's a good, I mean, it's a good episode. I always like. I'm enjoying the beginnings, the the bumper montage or collage or whatever you want to go with. In the beginning for me is like the favorite part, and I really have tried to start posting just the intros to get people more interested in this show. The reality is, I need a social media manager, and I need to hire one. I just I have no idea where to even go for one to start the process. Unfortunately, because everyone's like, yeah, I have TikTok. I'm a social media manager. It's like. No, you ain't. <laughs> like, I need an actual social media manager, and I need somebody that can handle the box, the top twenty, and Rebel Nine, and anything else that I'm doing uh, in my career would be really good. I mean, I can't pay all that much because I'm not making anything in anything, basically. Uh, but obviously, I can pay some, and then the point is to 
move it along so at least uh, I'm picking up some money. Maybe I'll do some sponsors. I honestly don't know. I'm just, I, I know that I'm so overwhelmingly busy most of the time that I can barely prep for stuff, but that really hasn't changed. As I said last week, this is, we are in the ninth year of the Hard Rock Lunchbox, which I can't believe it. Can you believe it, Jimmy? It's always a no! Yeah, I can't believe it either. And I keep saying I'm going to do something special to commemorate that, but uh, I think we all know I'm not going to do that. So I'm just probably not going to do it. I actually have other stuff to talk about today and other business. Um, Man, I am sorry about that. That's got to be super pleasant to listen to, especially if you're in earbuds. Uh, but yeah, and uh, Bacon is my podcast news. Their full interview with Oakrest Band and full interview with Tyler from Saving Vice. Um, they are this week. They also have Josh from Glasslands. I, I caught a bit of that uh, early this morning, uh, but that's their seven standard seven questions. Always interesting and always good uh, quick little meet. Um, I'm going to have to redo my interview with Jackie Raven. I told you about that, but I might just have to have her on my show because uh, at least I'm able to hit record properly. Right, Jackie? Yeah. Just a little inter-new regal radio jab at my coworker here. No, Jackie's great. She'd be a very good interview, so I might just try and set that up. But again, I'm just... I'm like, too, like I'm here anyway, but I'm literally too busy to set stuff up. But so, like I've been trying to have this interview with Todd from uh, from uh, Long Island Music Entertainment for about three years now, and I still haven't been able to do it. I've seen him like three times, but like I haven't been able to schedule an interview because I'm really cool. Also, in other news, uh, Rebel Nine will be at Amityville Music Hall with uh, Roderick and. Uh, Neon Skyline. It is their debut show. If you need tickets, feel free to hit me up. I have them. I'll be posting them probably this week, so there'll be an online link for you to purchase said ticket. I hear rumor that our own uh, Giovanna is going to be opening that show as well. Uh, she's not selling tickets, though, so if you want to see her, you got to get them from me, or I guess you can get them from Joey if you want to be that kind of person. But that's neither here nor there. Whatever you do, don't get them from Jake from Roderick, because he has since moved to New Jersey, and that pretty much finishes that sentence. Um, in other Rebel 9 news, I have finally released the acoustic video of Keep You Near from the first annual Bippy Awards. Uh, people have asked for that specifically, so I finally, six months later, got around to doing it. Uh, it's on the Rebel 9 YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash rebel 9 band. There is a story behind that, but I don't have time to go into it now. But Rebel 9 Band will bring you there, and you can check out all the other lack of content that we have on there. But I literally put this out now because we're going to be having a bunch of content start rolling out. And by a bunch, I really mean some. And by some, I mean like maybe a couple or a few. But we are going to be releasing the Dirty Deeds Thunder Cheap video that we shot at <clears throat> Mulcahy is that most people that are listening to this show are actually in the goddamn thing. So I think that's going to be a cool thing to check out. Um, but I need to build up a little action for the page because we haven't put anything out since the lyric video for Keep You Near, which is like two years. So I'm going to put some stuff out to start building up some interest in the page, and then we'll release that. Plus, we've got another couple lyric videos in the works for Blue and Easy, I believe. So hopefully they'll be done soon. We'll be able to roll those out. And then as we proceed with future recordings, we're probably going to be documenting some of that. So we'll again, we'll have all kinds of stuff. Also, it looks like I have the duty on my face again. As I said a couple weeks ago, it's just a shadow. See? It's a shadow and a really bad view. So I go all over. 
I'm sure that did a lot for people on radio. Uh, uh, right. So, uh, just a quick update on my fight about Rage Against the Machine. My friend has taken down his post. I did see that he responded to it, but like I usually am not on social media over the weekend, or most of the week, actually. And by the time I actually went to go respond to it, the post has been taken down, which I found was disappointing because I actually had stuff to say. Because what I did do is I actually read up on what the deal was with the particular tickets, see if there was anything specifically different about uh, this tour with Rage Against Against the Machine. And it turns out that there actually was something different about it, but it went in the exact opposite direction that my friend was accusing them of doing. So what they had done is they reserved, in, in in an effort to kind of undercut the scalpers, right? That's all this was, in an effort to undercut the scalpers, what Rage Against the Machine did is they had various pairs of seats throughout every single arena. That would be whatever the base price set by the arena, and like Live Nation and all that. Whatever that base price is, they would have that. And then they would have a little bit extra above it. And those were charity tickets. Which means that when you bought those tickets, you paid, say, your $49. Well, actually, the fee... The fee for the <laughs> the fee for most seats is somewhere between twenty and forty dollars, right? As set by the tour package, and then Live Nation adds its fee, the venue adds its fee, blah 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 blah. So let's just say it's for the sake of math, it isn't. But let's say for the sake of math, it's fifty dollars is your base seat price. Um, actually, that's that's a bad example. Twenty five, twenty five is your base seat price after taxes and all that other stuff. Let's say it goes to fifty bucks. Uh, what they were doing is they were charging uh, 70 and 90 I think, for those tickets, and they would go up you know, based on the taxes and fees and all that other stuff. But that extra money above the base ticket price was going to be directed uh, directly, going to be donated directly to charities in that city. Usually hunger, some women's groups, some voting groups, and stuff like that. So... And you had the option of buying those tickets. You did not have to buy them. You had the option. They were referred to as charity tickets. And what they were doing is they were trying to keep scalpers from buying those tickets because they were more expensive so that scalpers would buy the other ones. And this was a way you could directly get Rage Against the Machine tickets and and that. But Tom Morello, back in March or February even, had posted on his site, on the Rage site, and tweeted that there is no ticket for any Rage Against the Machine show over $125. And those $125 tickets were exclusive VIP-level charity tickets where almost $100 per ticket was going to local charities. And if anybody was following anything about it, they kept posting how much they were donating. $35,000 in Buffalo went to, like, World Hunger in Buffalo and Buffalo-related areas. $75,000 went to Toronto charities. And over the five days that they played at Madison Square Garden in New York City, they raised and donated $1 million to New York City and local area charities. And that is fucking amazing. And it's all through the purchase of those charity tickets. People bought them because they were charity-level tickets. They were not sold as scalping tickets. So people knew what they were doing, and people actively donated. And I would also argue, because Raging This Machine is a very smart operation, there's probably some tax deductions available when you do something like that. So if you're one of those people, keep an eye out. Maybe you can just, uh, I forget what the form is, but you can submit it probably on your tax, because 
taxes because it goes directly to charity and it undercuts the scalpers. So I just want to conclude what I was saying last week by saying that I was right again and no one is surprised. Right, Jimmy? Nope. It's always I wasn't right because I'm so scary smart. I'm right because I did a little bit of research and I used some common sense, something that is noticeably lacking these days. And that actually brings me to what I wanted to talk about today, which is what I consider to be probably the biggest social problem going on today in the world today. I try and boil these things down because I want to make them simple and digestible, not only for you guys, but for me as well. You know, like I... I suppose, like, I spend most of my, you know, weekly sort of therapy sessions going, like, what the fuck is wrong with people? And my dude being like, yeah, man, yeah, the world's fucked up. Like, all right, man, same time next week. All right, cool. Like, but uh, he did have some insight for me years ago when he was talking about how everything is fear-based and it's fear of losing uh, things that are important to you. Whether it's realistic fear or not is relevant. Fear, not only is fear your only God, as... Uh, Rage Against the Machine has pointed out over and over. But fear is a powerful motivator and it creates worry. Like I, I have my own fears about you know, life and retirement. What the hell I'm going to do with my existence when I finally decide to stop you know, performing or writing. Or, not that I see writing anytime soon, but performing's probably performing's probably got a deadline on it. Um, but um, Oh, so, right, so you have all those. So I further boiled it down after some conversations this week to kind of like this whole block of the country. And I'm not even talking about the whole Liz Cheney and Wyoming thing. Like we, could, we could talk about that at another time. I mean, I think there's nothing I need to say about it. Um, but this whole sort of concept of kind of the way things work. Right, and and you see this throughout history, and that's why I was kind of able to boil it down along this avenue. You see, like people every, every within every generation, within every generation, a slayer is born. But also within every generation, people are worried about the advances of the generation after them because nobody wants to get left behind. Right? I get it. Like I, I'm not a TikTok guy. I, I feel like it costs the band something because we don't. We don't play on TikTok. I don't. I mean, my other guy, you're more than welcome to, like, hop up and start the Rebel 9 TikTok account if you want. I, I don't care. I don't have the time for it. I find TikTok in general just completely an abhorrent usage of, of your person, your brain, um, and the time spent on it. I find it a cesspool of humanity. And, like, this is me talking. Like, seriously, you want to talk about cesspools of humanity? Look no further than the banner right behind me. I'll even point to it. Oh, cesspool, cesspool, cesspool. <laughs> cesspool of humanity, ladies and gentlemen, Thursday from noon to two, right here on Hard Rock. Um, so yeah, so people worry about, you know, things in the, in the coming generation. And, and when you talk to people, like, you can kind of, like, you know, tease out, like, little bits... I had said uh, years ago, like when you know people were like really favoring Trump, I found this common thread where if you were really well off, like quarter million dollars in savings and up, uh, people were very conservative and they were very interested in keeping their money as they should. Because once you start hitting those like certain milestones and stuff like that, 
that's when you know the IRS starts looking at you for taxes. And if you're not wealthy enough to dodge them, like Elon Musk and most people with a lot of money, then you're the ones kind of paying your fair share. And that's a lot of money if you start getting into the quarter million dollar range, right? So people are worried about that kind of stuff. Um, but I used to say that you used to have those people, and they were very pro-Trump because they didn't want their stuff taxed. That, to me, is a perfectly reasonable ideology. If you're like, dude, I make a million dollars a year. I am never voting for a liberal Democrat. We're done with the conversation because not only is it a solidly good reason, I have no argument. Like, yep, yeah, yeah, man. Like, I was watching something I was watching something on Big Think a couple of days ago that was telling, and I was going to talk more about it, but I, I, I got to work with it a little bit more. But he was saying, uh, he was talking about how we don't understand why people, we, liberals uh, or Dems, or even like left-leaning centrists, which I'm becoming more and more of, uh, we don't understand why people on the right keep voting against their own interests. He was pointing out, he's like, that's a ridiculous statement, because you know who votes against their own interests the most? Rich white liberals, because they're the ones with the money that keep voting for all these social programs, and they're the ones being taxed the hardest. They are the ones that are vote truly voting against their own interest, and we herald them as heroes. But if somebody that you know has some sort of clan allegiance, and we're you know they're voting against their own interests, well, are they? Like maybe they're heroes to people on the right, and that's something worth thinking about. But anyway, the whole point of this is that I feel like I've come down to like. My, my newest stance on it is that it really is about, you know, people wanting things the way they were. And I see this and have been saying it for years, but didn't really sort of solidify it into this nice little box. But um, people liked it when they were in high school. White people. I'm only talking about white people because I, I do not come from the minority experience, so I don't have a whole lot to say on it. But white people in general that I've talked to, because it's not necessarily just pure racism. I mean, it's it's in there, but it's not just that. It's really about a familiarity. And as I talk to more and more people about their exposure with minorities, like in school, like even mine, like I, I remember it and I've said it, you know, humorously over the years, like we had one gay guy in school and we had two black people in school and they were brother and sister. And that was my minority experience. Dude, I'm from outside New York, right? Like, I wasn't in the city. I wasn't in Urbansville, New York City, or Queens, or Brooklyn. And I feel like that's why those people just feel like things are very different. My kids grew up in very diverse schoolings and stuff like that. Uh, Charlotte, specifically, uh, just since her and Corey went to Montessori schools, like, they had a much different exposure because it turns out, believe it or not, that immigrants are way more into education than your average American. I know, shocker. So we, like, her classes were loaded with, with minorities and stuff like that, and that was really the sandbox that she was raised in. Same with Corey. And, like, you know, I'm sure they see color because they've been tested and they can tell blue from green and stuff like that, but, like, it's just not unusual to have different people. Well, that is not the experience of most people in America. In fact, when you talk to people from, like, outside of the cities, like, they're like, yeah, man, we didn't even have, you know, black people or Muslims or, you know, like, or Jews even. Like, really, like, because I was making a joke about um, Italian names to, you know, one of the people I work with. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, don't you remember when those kids couldn't fill their whole name on the SAT? Because I went through that. I had a lot of Italians in my school. And they didn't have enough room for their names on the SAT forum. And she was like, no, we, we had no Italian. I'm like, how do you not have any Italians? She's like, we just didn't. We had, like, Germans and, you know, some Dutch. 
but like that was it. And I was like, Jesus, like, you know, you don't realize like when you come from New York, like what a town, uh, like without any Italians would look like. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a lot quieter. I can't, I can't. I'm like one sixteenth Italian, so it's totally okay. But I mean, would you really go to those towns for any pizza, Jimmy? It's always a no. You're goddamn right, it's always a no. <laughs> so if you can't even get any Italians to come to your town, like just imagine how uh, culturally diverse the rest of the town is going to be. And that's what those people have experienced. That was their high school life. And you know, do you? I don't think those high school people had. Minorities. I don't think they had any gays. They definitely didn't have any trans. You know, they they didn't deal with any of that. They didn't deal with pronouns. And as people get older, they're less likely to, like, learn their new tricks. I mean, that adage exists for a reason. And you kind of start seeing, like, the way... And this is what I was saying about, like, things I've been complaining about for years. Like, just think about, think about how well cover bands are doing and your 80s bands and your 90s bands like people just longing for stuff like old Alice in Chains like I love Alice in Chains and I'm sure they were fantastic at the beach this past weekend but the reality is like that was a 90s band like we can stop and like all the covers bands do cover bands that are doing like 80s bands and stuff like that I appreciate that nostalgia but the reality is they are just dwarfing sales for original music and that is based out of all these people that want to just resort back and reflect back into a time that was more comfortable, like high school, right? How many times have you seen people say or hear people say and seen people post, like, they don't make good music like they did in the 70s? Like, yo, the 70s, dude? I made good music just last week. Like, like seriously, there are bands out there that are just doing amazing stuff. And, like, half of this show is dedicated to, like, showing you new material that comes out that I think is good and honestly we can disagree all you want but like I think my track record is at least above 50 like you know I'm, get, I'm getting at least a C minus right and coming up with new music that people like and exposing them to so but those are the same people that think that Foghat was the greatest band ever and there's no point in doing it anymore or Leonard Skinner or Zeppelin like you know I, Zeppelin has a very special place in my existence are they better than Incubus and Chevelle and Deftones? I mean, maybe at the time, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, we were talking, Jimmy and I were talking about how maybe the Goo Goo Dolls are like this generation's cheap trick. And he is definitely not upset about that. But like, they keep putting out new music. Like, good for them. Like, they're still doing it. Like, Zeppelin only did like 10 records, right? And one of them they were disbanded for. Like, you know, I mean, there's been good music since the Beatles. There really has. Whether or not they're the best, I don't know. I, I, I'm not even qualified to answer that question anymore because obviously I'm so stuck here in my, you know, Stockholm Syndrome basement. So I'm not out there making, you know, the world different with my new music. I'm not Machine Gun Kelly. I sure as fuck ain't Post Malone. So, like, what do I know other than the fact that people are reverting back to these things that make them comfortable because they make them comfortable? And that is because they are just afraid of things that are going forward and things that are getting taken away from them. And I'm not saying that fear is a bad thing. And I'm not even saying that it shouldn't exist. I just think you should be aware of it. So when people look at, like, all these social programs and all these migrants that are taking their jobs that they clearly don't want to have anyway, like, what is it really about? It's about the landscape changing from around them. Like, this doesn't look like it used to look. 
And I find that too. I find that all the time. But what I get upset about is when I go to some place that I haven't been to in a while, and I see that every single mom and pop store that used to be there has now been replaced by like a Walmart or a fucking Chick Fil A. Please stop eating at that place and supporting that horrible company. Same with Hobby Lobby. If I could ever get like a not a sponsor thing, like it would definitely be Chick Fil A and, and Hobby Lobby. But the last thing I want to do is see like places that I. You know, kind of grew up like liking and adoring, replaced by corporate America. And people are complaining about minorities. Like, are you are you serious right now? Like, not even remotely the problem are the people trying to fill my water glass at the diner. Like, God bless those people. Like, I am definitely concerned about the cost of bringing people in, like in by the hundreds and thousands and stuff like that, because that is a discussion that needs to be had. So I'm on board with that. But do I hate these people for doing it? Of course not. Do I hate the people that are trying to keep them from dying in the streets? Of course not, because I am a good Christian and a good person. And I don't believe that anybody deserves anything less simply because they were born outside our borders, especially when people inside our borders are such pieces of shit. But hey, that's just me. And I've talked long enough. I have no segue. It's a day to remember. Relax. Hard Rock Lunch Box. So I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine new songs for you today. I think they're all. Yeah, they look like they're all brand new songs. So uh, yay me. Uh, and that may or may not be good for you guys. I mean, I will tell you that it's all over the place. Uh, eclectic mix as F, just like usual. I got some old stuff that I was surprised. Well, old, older bands that I was surprised putting out good stuff, so I got some of that. But I think the top one for this week, I think, has to go to the acoustic version uh, of uh, the shower scene from Ice Nine Kills. Uh, I was out on Discover Weekly, I believe, or Ra- Radar or whatever. But Spencer and that band like are so talented anyway, and it's really nice to see them like constantly getting better. They're one of the few rock bands that actually tries to improve, and I think they do. And I thought the shower scene was awesome on that last record, but this acoustic version is just freaking dope. And if you don't believe me, that's cool. It's three minutes of your life you will never get back. But we'll see you on the other side. Something really good, probably. Maybe. Probably not. Hard Rock Lunch box all right so we might as well get started on this segment i like to call do i like it it's always a no it's more of a <laughs> title to work in progress uh so yeah so i've got a couple songs here two specifically uh where am i i'm over here i'm over here now so i have two specifically well no that's not true i have two definitely that i'm not sure that i like then I have another one that I'm not sure that I like. And then I have another one that I'm sure I like, but also doesn't belong on the box. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. I get the other one. So, this first song, uh, I, it's like one of these other... Cro- By the way, I've got to do a crossover. I'm definitely going to start working with other people and have and bring them in to sing some stuff. So I'm going to figure that out. Just, not because I want to, but because I want to see like other names and stuff in my title and confuse other guys like me. That's cool. The name of this song is I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, which on titles alone is awesome. But I think it's uh, it's Illuminate Me, uh, Oshi Bashar, and Beartooth, which I think is just Caleb, honestly. Uh, but I was digging this song. 
and I couldn't put my finger on, but there was it wasn't like awesome, but like I really dug it. I think, and I listened to it like a third time, and I was like, I'm just going to grab it. And we're going to decide right here on the box. Um, and uh, feel free to weigh in, 99WNR, or email me um, at uh, whatever, hardrecklunchbox at gmail.com, all positive stuff. I'm filtering out negative stuff. You can send it right over to Monty if you want. Brand new, first time ever on the box, too many people to mention again, but the song's called I Have No Mouth, comma, and I Must Scream. Oxford, comma, motherfucker. Hard rock. Lunch box.
little pathmaker for you on your Thursday afternoon. I have it on good authority that as good as that album was, and that song in particular, the new stuff coming from Pathmaker is even better. Yeah. I have inside information. <laughs> Suck on that, pal. So, I've got another song. I think it looked like everybody was digging the... Um, I have no mouth but must scream or whatever the hell that was. So I have another one. This dude, I don't even know how to say it. Like it's P-L-X-N-T kid, right? So like I've been reading it like a license plate, trying to figure it out. Like planet kid with an X, like or pronoun, or I don't know. I really don't know. But uh, whoever it is, this uh, this kid is doing some work with the... uh, dudes in magnolia park so i guess that's why it spun up on my release radar but i was definitely digging it um but i wasn't 100 percent sure so here we go it's time for another uh episode another another song on does it box I don't know. it's called zombie hope you like it hard rock lunch box Man, I don't know how many people still remember the G. Davy days. Like, I don't know if anybody listening to this band, uh, to this show, uh, actually was part of the G. Davy audience. But, man, we covered that song for years. And in my opinion, we did it really well because I love Green Day. And it was the right band to do it. And I can't imagine doing it in Rebel Night. It just doesn't seem like it would fit, but it was fun. Um, so, I was going to say something. And, uh,. Yes, I was just asking. I was just asking the chat here uh, at ninety-nine WNRR See how smooth and subtle that was. I was asking like what, like active local good bands, like actually good bands. And I'm not trying to slam anybody, and I don't really care to get into the argument. But like, I think everybody knows it when I see them. Um, and. Yes, uh, Off Guard, I find to be a very good band. I thought they were kind of done for a little while, but they put out something new. I feel like I just played something from them, didn't I? Let me, let me just check. Off Guard. I know they always throw off my system because they put a stupid O in there. Is it Sincere? Is that new? Uh, I forget. I'll have to take a look. Um, but I'll look I'll look into it. But yeah, yeah, like I was just trying to figure out like what... Like it seems like there's a really... like. A lot of bands like put out stuff at the beginning of COVID because they could, and in my opinion, I think they put out a lot of garbage, um, honestly. And and I said that when it was happening. I think people with free time didn't bother to like check, you know, no 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 production value. People have quality control issues. I've been saying it for years, but like actively playing bands on Long Island, like I think besides like us and Craving. Uh, I mean, I still I still count Jackknife in there because I know that they're still a band, even though they're not currently active. But I think it's more of a business decision at this point. But then you got like I Ignite and a Farewell Fire and stuff like that, um, and of course Pathmaker. And those are the bands like I was kind of talking about, like our the local ones that we've we've played with. I mean, and I'm I'm not drawing a blank intentionally. I just I'm trying to think of some others. And we haven't been playing a lot, so I'm not seeing a whole lot of bands. Um, but I'm also not seeing a whole lot of bands actively playing, so that's why I was asking. But anyway, so if you want to, you know, answer that, that that's fine. I'd, I'd actually appreciate it. I'm, I'm looking for more local music to actually see and support. But, you know, oh, the Neon Skyline. I mean, they'll be uh, active uh, as of October 1st. And uh, I don't know what Roderick is doing, but I know that they are playing. Um, but... 
yeah, I guess yeah, Roderick still counts because they are still playing, even though I guess they, I guess I consider them local, even though Jake has moved moved on, on New Jersey, but doesn't really matter. So uh, yeah, we can just keep that conversation going because I want to kind of see what everybody's thinking of these days because uh, I know there's a lot of younger bands uh, that were coming up under the oh, who's that dude that was doing like all the shows at uh, at Rams and stuff like talking about a rock something collective or whatever talking about how great I gotta tell you every single one of those bands was worse than the next and I don't think it's their fault I think they had horrible recording and I think they had terrible production and I think that they just need a little bit more experience I'm not saying they can't do it I think you know my earlier stuff was just garbage compared to what I'm doing now so like that's that's fine but man uh, it was like Rockless Collective or something. But uh, literally every band I went to check out was simply worse than the next. And it was like, man, I'm I'm so glad. Rock Island. That was it, right? Um, but yeah. So anyway, so if you got more to add, that'd be great. So what I was talking about, like with Rage Against the Machine and like all the good stuff that they were doing, they had uh, an opening act or touring with them was a band called Run the Jewels, which is basically just two dudes. Um, and... Uh, I knew who they were because of all their collaborations that they had done with other artists that I know, uh, including Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against Machine, which is why they were on the bill. But I was listening to this, and I was just listening to it a lot over the past week. And no, this does not belong even remotely on the Hard Rock Lunchbox, I don't think. But I will say this particular one uh, with Run the Jewels, it features Pharrell Williams and, and Zach De La Rocha. And I just love the lyrics in this song. And so if you want to turn it down a little bit because your office is not, you know, run the jewels approved, like, I totally understand. But if you get the opportunity or have the opportunity to just give it a real listen, like, do that. Give it a real listen. Because the lyrics on this one, are, I think, are pretty dope. And I'm not just saying that as a white guy from the suburbs. I truly mean it. I promise. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box. Or is it just me? It can't be just me Cause I've been waiting For those days we talked about But they never came around So 
just me It can't be just me Guard there for you on the box. Just uh, trying to trudge our way through some local bands that are actually out there doing something. If you know of any, obviously send them in. You can message us on Facebook or directly hardrocklunchbox at gmail.com. Always feel free to send in something you think we'll like or you think the audience will like because that's how we find new things. We're cool like that. Uh, speaking of which, we got a brand new song here. It's called Backfired. It's a collab with uh, 408 and... Taylor Acorn, neither of which I had ever heard of before this past week. I'm digging the song, though. Maybe you will, too. It's backfired on the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. You know, I'm just reminded of, uh, first of all, great song from Shinedown, by the way. But I remember, does anybody remember the band Sound of Madness, the cover band? It's basically like a super group cover band, <laughs> which... I don't even vomiting in my own mouth a little bit. We should we should mate. <laughs> what did you just say? We should date. Oh, I just threw up in my dodgeball reference. I need more dodgeball. I'm gonna I'm gonna do more dodgeball references. Uh, but yeah, so in the aftermath of a bunch of bands um, kind of falling apart, uh, there was a cover band put together by uh, Eric. From pedestrian sixty-five, no, pedestrian, pedestrian knockdown. He was in circle sixty-five. Pedestrian knockdown for uh, so it was uh, Eric and Ian, uh, and I forget who was on drums. I know he passed away, but uh, Matt Abate, I think. Um, no, I think drums was no, I don't remember. But Matt Abate was in that band. Matt, formerly of and only Craving Strange fame. Um, and I remember it was just, it was funny. And like, I know Eric and Ian well enough. I knew Matt really well. Um, we don't speak anymore. It's just another long line of people that have just decided to be a dick to me. <laughs> Even if I deserve this one, which I did, which I did not actually. Um, and to prove it, I will tell you the story now. <laughs> But I was, you know, I had said for a long time that I thought that Eric and Ian were actually really too good to just be doing covers. Um, I think they're both really talented, and I think they should really get back to, to writing, because I think they wrote some good stuff, and I think they had a good trajectory. Um, but anyway, um, so they formed this basic supergroup of a cover band, and it was around the time when cover bands, and, and they still do this, but you'll just have to sort of believe me when I tell you that they've toned down the rhetoric uh, when cover bands are talking about like the greatest show of the summer or stuff like that, like first of all, when any band tells you about the hottest show of the summer, like don't do that. Like don't ever do that. Like you can be like you don't want to miss this one, and I've done it a couple times where I've been like we're doing something only one time. Like when we did the diaries, like this is it. Like I wasn't promoting it as like the show of the summer, and considering only like 
half the people that we wanted to show up showed up. It definitely wasn't the, it was barely even the show of the week. It probably wasn't even the show of the night. I mean, I do really super appreciate everybody that showed up. I'm just saying, like, I, it wasn't the show of the summer. I didn't promote it that way at all. I just promoted it as this is a one-time thing. But when bands, cover bands started doing, like, this is the hottest ticket in town. It's like, dude, you're, you're a jukebox. Like, and not a very good one, because a jukebox is always going to play a cover song better. Like, it's like that John Henry versus the Steam Shovel or whatever. Steam Drill. Like, John Henry did beat, but, you know, beat the drill, but uh, uh, died at the end. Like... A cover band is never going to be better than the record. They just aren't. Uh, I mean, they could possibly bring something. They could possibly bring something in the live aspect, and that I do appreciate. But they're never going to be better than the actual recording because that's just not how it works. Um, but they're, you know, just a lot of smack. And I and I was dealing with like, hey, cover bands, like, why don't you just kind of settle down? Because we were in direct competition. This is pre-COVID. We were in direct competition because venues were picking cover bands over these other bands. And cover bands were starting to bitch about, like, how much they're not getting paid for stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, you did 1% of the work. Like, all of the work that goes into, uh, like, being in a cover band is already done for you. Like, you're, you're taking a proven song that somebody had to write and rewrite write and edit and produce and record and distribute and pay for promotion on and do radio station interviews and do all that good stuff like that's what a a hit song is and as a cover band like all you really need to do is play that song and i think i had made the comment like don't forget like i can do what you do tomorrow like that was my famous line like i can do covers we do covers all the time it takes mainly a half hour for me to usually learn the song. Sometimes I have to write the lyrics down and stuff like, and it's a practice or two for the band, but like I can do exactly what cover bands are doing tomorrow. No problem. The trick is, is that most of them cannot do what I do. And a lot of them take exception to that. And they're like, well, I was in an original band for years, but original music is dead. So like, I'm just going to make money doing it this way. I'm like, that's not my argument. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like, you know, some of you sure can write original music. Can you write it as good as I do? I don't know. Let's try. But also like, most of them can't. Most people in cover bands, and we know lots of people in cover bands, cannot write very good original music. It just is. And some of them can't write it at all. And that just is. I'm not saying anything that nobody doesn't know. I'm just saying stuff that people don't like to hear. And that was basically the crux of this argument because Abate took incredible offense to that. Now, keep in mind, like he quit Craving Strange or put in his notice for Craving Strange uh, because basically because he thought he was being held back. Uh, he is now currently at home with two kids doing absolutely nothing in his musical career. So I don't know who exactly was holding him back, but he was doing really great things with Craving as far as I could tell. Because Craving was doing great things and Matt was just riding those coattails. But so he, he, you know, basically resigned from Craving because he wanted to go and do bigger and better stuff, I guess. And then eventually fucked up so badly that he was dismissed before his tenure was supposed to be over. So that's all that. And that's all well and good. And I think a few people that are still listening, like, can attest to some of the stuff that were was going on at the time. So, fast forward a little bit, and then he's in Sand of Madness, thinking he's going to be the next great thing playing covers. And I make those comments about, you know, it's it's a totally different thing, and it's not at all the same. And Matt is somebody that can write decent enough original material, and I think he took offense to it. And he lashed out at me on Facebook, basically saying, like, Hey, man, at least I'm not playing the same song from 10 years ago like you are. And I'm like, he was referring to San Jose, which is fine. And my response to him was like, well, 
I'm playing the same song from 10 years ago because people actually still want to hear it, unlike anything you've ever written, which is also true. And then followed it up with a video of him hopping up on stage and singing San Jose with us because he loved the song so much and wanted us to play it, and he wanted to sing it along with us, you know, or play it on guitar or do whatever else it is that he used to do. So, like, that level of hypocrisy is amazing. And to date, we rarely play San Jose these days. But, man, I swear to God, as early as, as recently as our Patchogue show, it was requested that we play it. Yeah, man, that song is 11 years old. Like, I get it. But the reality is, people still want to hear it. And what that means is that it's a great song. And you cannot think so all you want. And you can give me shit for still playing it. But I'm not playing it because nobody wants to hear it. So don't ever forget that dick face. Don't ever forget that comma dick face. You can forget that dick face all you want because he is just cruised into irrelevance. And I could not be happier. Well, I could be a little happier. I'd be happier right now because I've got Deftones for you on the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. And we do. Oh, thank you. We do a lot of covers. Uh, we try and throw a cover into any set we're doing over 30 minutes because it's fun. And we like doing it too. But I'm not slamming covers. I'm just saying they have their place. And I don't think a full band of them is the right place for them. But again, I don't think it's the bands. I think it's the people that want to go see that. Like, go see something new. Don't go see something old. Like, you want a fresh chicken sandwich, right? Not one from like a week and a half ago. I can't get anyone to eat like leftovers in my house. <laughs> Old food? Nope. Old music? Sure. Anyway. Uh, so one of the covers we've done along the way was a song called Heavy from Collective Soul. And while I had my doubts about how popular that song was, the band convinced me, the band mainly Noodle, convinced me that it was a song worth doing. I thought Shine was the better song because I thought it was the bigger hit. Um, but uh, Noodle and Kaz both actually petitioned, or not petitioned, that's the wrong word, vied for this particular song and we did it the one time we did it at the village pub south or the village pub in Lindenhurst. and when i tell you like the entire audience basically walked away while we were playing it i don't think i'm exaggerating so that was unfortunate but safe uh safe to say i do still like the band collective soul i think they're very good and i think they were very good at the time uh but they are putting out new material now i don't know what the impetus is for it or if they've been doing it all along but this brand new song called cut the cord i actually kind of dug so i grabbed it and we'll play it in the box and you can tell me what you think about it after and it'll be too late hard rock lunch box ah yes in true hard rock lunch box fashion i am running out of time to do what i set out to do which is to play you new music because i am so good at this job right jimmy it's always a no. 100%. Well, here's some more new music. The song's called Juice. It's another collaboration with Dear Youth, uh, Oliver Baxter, and the dudes over at Broadside. So let's check it out, shall we? Let me know what you think in the uh, chat, because the chat knows what's up. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Well, while having on some sort of authority, the Craving Strange will be releasing new music in the near future. Uh, near is a relative term, right? Like, the sun's also going to explode, but that's in the far future. In the nearer than that future, Craving Strange will be releasing at least the one more song that I'm aware of. So, in the meantime, it's time to dig into the archive, a sound of which I do not have an effect for, but I'm going to ask Jimmy if I have an effect for Jimmy, do I have an effect for the archive? It's always a 
Sadly, I have no effect for the archive, but it's still one of my favorite craving songs of all time. And it's your weekly craving of the week on the box.
Hard Rock Lunch Box. Do you have your Hard Rock Lunch Box? She was born with a golden heart. Summer girl's a precious smile. Can't believe he ever saw that. Turned a soul as a work of art. Different man, a different life. Didn't think he could ever fall to the tide. I promise not to break. Rolls in time. Never lost, only led astray. Daddy's gone, but mama found him. Skyline, you can check them out October 1st, Amityville Music Hall with us and Roderick and of course G. And I think another band is going to be added to it. Again, if you need tickets, hit me up for them. I'll do my best for you on the price. And I have the tickets. Um, we've still got plenty. I think, uh, we sold a handful of them. 
because uh, I haven't pushed it yet. That's on me. Sorry. But we're at the end of another Hard Rock Lunchbox. I know. I, Jimmy, can you believe it? It's always yeah, me neither. Man. Nope, that's not old yet. I mean, it might be old to you. It's just not old yet. I want to apologize to the guys in Nothing More. I was going to play their new song today, but I just didn't get a chance. Mainly because I suck at scheduling and I talk too much and all that other good stuff that you've come to love about the Hard Rock Lunchbox. In the meantime, have yourself a great week. Have yourself a beautiful weekend. And I promise we can do this all again next week. I'll have plenty more to talk about, I'm sure. I am going to leave you today with the brand new song from the Goo Goo Dolls because I'm just digging everything they are throwing with this new record. It seemed like a good way to get on out and enjoy the rest of your day. Try and be a better person than basically everybody on Facebook. I know. It's not really all that hard. I'll see you next week. Box. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box. Box.